morning. We're going to turn to Romans chapter 1 again this morning, beginning with verse 8 this morning. While you're turning there, I have two announcements that didn't make the bulletin, and uh, I think with the week that Bill and Evelyn had, they didn't need a call at 9.30 last night to tell them they have to redo the bulletin. So, <laughs> uh, And that's when I got this first announcement. Well, on March 19th, the Gitmans are going to be with us, Peter and Laura. And so they're going to be sharing both in the Sunday school and the morning worship service. So that's March 19th. And then March 26th, the churches, Tyler and Jennifer Church, will be with us. Some of you know Jennifer as Jennifer Straw. Okay. Yeah. And they're going to have both the morning Sunday school and morning service. I hesitate to turn Sunday school over to them because that's a tough group to deal with. <laughs> they, 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 they give me a hard time every week, but I, I think we can persuade them to be on good behavior for two weeks. Be a stretch, but, <laughs> but uh, anyhow, if you're not in the habit of coming to Sunday school, that's a good time to come, uh, especially with Peter and Laura and, and the ministry in Mexico. Come and find out what's going on. They go into a little more depth in the Sunday school hour than they can go in, in the morning worship service. So feel free to join us for that time. Romans chapter 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God, who I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you, always in my prayers making request, if perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you in order that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have now and have been prevented thus far, in order that I might obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to foolish, Thus, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Someone has written the words, faith honors God, God honors faith. The story is told of Robert and Mary Moffat, missionaries a century ago to what was then Buchanan land. It's now known as Botswana. They ministered faithfully in that land for over 10 years without one ray of light. No one came to the Lord. No one seemed interested in their message. Not a single convert to report. Finally, their board of directors questioned the wisdom of them staying there and asked them if they wanted to consider another place of service. The thought of leaving their post, however, brought great grief to their hearts, and they felt sure that God was just about to work in hearts and lives. And so they asked for another year or two in which to remain in, in that particular part of the harvest field. During that time, a friend in England sent them a message saying that God had laid them on their heart. They wanted to send them a special gift, but they wanted it to be a gift that they really wanted. So asked them what, what could they use. Uh, Mary wrote back, and she said, what we really need, she said, send us a communion set 
I am sure it will soon be needed. As time progressed, the day came when the communion set arrived. The day before, a little church was to celebrate their first communion together. God honored the faith of Mary and Robert, and God blessed their ministry as they continued faithfully to proclaim the word of God. And God honors faith today. He speaks here of the, the just in Romans 1.17, shall live by faith. That's the core of the gospel message, for by faith are you saved through grace. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, he cries out, we walk by faith, not by sight. It would be great if sometimes we knew the answers, we saw the next step of the path, but sometimes God says, take the next step, and I'll show you when, when you get there. We, we live by faith today. Last week, we looked at the introduction to this book. We looked at the, the proclaimer. He was the servant, the bondservant of Jesus Christ. We looked at the provider of our salvation, none other than the Son, Jesus Christ, and then at the possessors of the gospel, those who have received it, that's the saints. Now, I know that might be a stretch in your mind for some of you, but that's you and I, if, if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Uh, not a stretch that you are considered a saint, but that anybody would think of me as a saint, that, that's a stretch. What's involved in faith? How does it affect our daily life? Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We we come by faith. We believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him there. So we want to look, first of all, today at the testimony of faith. Verse 8 is a remarkable statement. Notice what Paul is saying about the church in Rome. He says, your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world, not just in Rome. It was known throughout the world that here was a group of individuals that worshiped God, that were proclaiming God's message that we're being used of God to communicate the, the truth of the gospel to their generation. And uh, how many of you know that little song, This Little Light of Mine? Maybe you sang that in Sunday school years ago. This Little Light of Mine. Some of you got puzzled looks on your face. Hey, you're not that young, most of you. <laughs> this Little Light of Mine, I'm going to let it shine. Where? We used to sing, In Our Neighborhood. We're going to let the light shine, but you know, Jesus, as he was about to go back to heaven, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, encouraged his disciples to go in the, into all the world with the gospel message. It was to begin in, in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the uttermost part of the earth. And they were to have an impact with the gospel message. We have that desire as a church. That's why we have the Gitlands coming. We have an impact in Mexico through their life and testimony as, as we support them and encourage them and pray for them. God is using us to touch another part of the world. We, through our missionaries, touch Indonesia, uh, Taiwan, other parts of the world. Together, as a church, we can reach the world with the gospel message in a greater way than we can do it as an individual there. And as we think about that, can the world around us see the difference that Christ makes in, in a person's life. Is our light shining in our community? Because that's, this is where he's placed us today. Can they see th that Jesus Christ makes a difference by our life, by our actions, by the words that we say, 
by, by the way we live. Are, are we revealing the light of the gospel as the church of Rome was doing? Are others seeing Christ through us? And then he talks of the encouragement of faith in verses 9 through 13. Encouragement relates to how we treat one another. Did you ever notice how you have the power to encourage somebody? And you have the power to discourage someone as well just by your words or by your actions or, or how you treat them and so forth. Paul is praying for the church here, and he's seeking the opportunity to visit them. Now, he has been hindered in that desire for several years now. He has, he has had a desire to, to be with them. It would be another at least two or three years before he actually got to Rome. Uh, he would have to spend two years in prison. And then at the expense of the Roman government, he would be put on a ship, and that ship would be shipwrecked. And he would spend several months on the island of Malta before he eventually got to Rome, but he did get there. It was not just a sightseeing trip there. It was uh, he, he desired three things as he went to Rome. First of all, he wanted to impart to the church in Rome a gift, to impart to them not that he was bestowing on them a spiritual gift. That comes from the Holy Spirit. But rather he was looking for a way to use his gift, whether it was preaching or teaching or whatever it was, to encourage, to benefit, to, to build up the church of Jesus Christ. Incidentally, that's the purpose of spiritual gifts. In Second or First Peter chapter 4, in uh, verse 10, he says, As each has received a gift... Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Each of us, he says, have received a spiritual gift, whatever it is. It, what he's gifted you with is not the same that he's gifted me with. We each have differing gifts and so forth. But he said that he has given us those gifts not for a selfish reason. We are given them so that we can encourage our brothers and sisters, so that we can serve one another. Uh, and so I think as we, we think about that, like the Apostle Paul, we, we need to ask ourselves, who are we seeking to bless? Who are we seeking to encourage as we walk through our day? Who, who are we seeking to serve? Remember, Paul comes here as a servant. As, and as, he, as I think about that, I was thinking this week of the, the story that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25 of, of the, the time when the judgment was coming. This is in, on your notes, so don't, don't worry about this. This is, won't cost you extra. But um, in Matthew 25, Jesus said, Inasmuch as you have done it under the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. How do we demonstrate our love for Christ? We do it by serving one another. We do it by showing them the, the love of Christ. It, it may be the least of the least, but Jesus said, if you do it to the least of them, you're doing it unto me. That's how we demonstrate that we love him and that we belong to him. We seek to take the gifts that God has given to us and use them as a blessing to somebody else along the way. It's not all about us. It's about how can we use what he's entrusted to us to bless someone else. And then notice, and, and maybe this is the hardest part for some of us, he didn't just want to impart a gift, he wanted to receive a gift. Now, uh, not, uh, 
he, he illustrates in that, I think, the mutuality of ministry. We need to learn to pray for one another, to love one another, to share with one another, to, to serve one another, and so forth. The fact of the matter is, Paul realized just as the Roman church needed encouragement at times, he did too. We all need that. And uh, the way God often does that is through the body of believers. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, Don't forget the forsake the assembly of yourselves together, but encourage one another. We come together to to encourage and to build one another up. The fact is, we need one another if we're going to accomplish the work of God in Chihuahua. We need to encourage one another, and we need to be encouraged by one another as well. We are called to do that. We're called to receive that ministry as well. Sadly, today, we've fallen into the thinking rather than serving one another, we'll hire a professional to do it. God's gifted us for a reason. We're to use those gifts to the glory of Jesus Christ. So how can we serve? And then is there times when God says, I want you to let somebody else serve you? That That's a blow to pride sometimes, isn't it? We we're self-sufficient. We want to do it ourselves. We don't want to be on the on the receiving end. And yet, if we don't accept that encouragement, then we don't let somebody else exercise their gift. We, we hinder what God wants to do in their life as well there. Because the third reason for Paul coming there was not only to impart a gift and to receive a gift, but he wanted to obtain some fruit there in Rome. What was that fruit? I believe it was reaching others with the gospel message, reaching the lost in that part of the world for Jesus Christ. In John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. How? By your love one for another. And so as we love one another and we allow others to demonstrate that love to us, it's a testimony to what God wants to do in hearts and lives. You may be going through a time of trial today. Have, and I don't know about you, but when a trial strikes, the first thing, <laughs> first thing we want to do is say, Lord, take it out of my life. I don't want it. I, I don't need it. And yet, I wonder if we do need it. If God is saying, there is somebody that I want you to touch or, or somebody that I want that's watching your life to get a glimpse of the love of Christ through someone else. And rather than complain and get upset with the trial, maybe we need to pray sometimes, Lord, use it to the glory of Jesus Christ. Work through it to to touch a heart and a life. That leads, in Paul's thinking here, to number three, the, the obligation of faith in verses 14 and 15. He talks there of In verse 14, he said, I'm under obligation to the Greeks, to the barbarians, to the wise and the foolish. For what? He's under obligation to share the gospel message with them, to communicate the grace of God. There's an interesting story back in the days of Samaria, and I don't have the reference for you, but it's a story of four lepers. The the, uh, Assyrian army is camped outside the city of Samaria, there, people are starving to death in there, and God comes in and intervenes, and, and the Syrian army flees at, at night. And, and these four beggars think, you know, we're not allowed in the city. We're going to starve to death out here. We might as well go over to the enemy and see if, if at least they'll give us some food. And so they go over, and what do they find? The army's gone. 
And they go into the tent, and there's all kinds of food and clothing and silver and gold, and so and and they have a they have a ball. Uh, they they eat. They they uh, haul away some of the uh, spoils. And I, I don't know how many tents they actually went into and, and did that to, but uh, one of them got, comes up with the idea. You know what? We're not doing well here. If morning comes and we don't tell the city, we're in serious trouble. And so they go and they alert the city. Just think, if you found a cure today for cancer and you failed to share it with the world, that would be criminal. You, you would have the, the, the hope that, that so many people are looking for and you keep it to yourself. And then when you stop and think, we have the words of eternal life. We have the words that not just for today, but for eternity. And what do we do with it? Are we, are we eager as the Apostle Paul? Are we saying, I'm under obligation. I, I've got to get out there and I've got to share it. Or I, I could get in serious trouble here. Or, or do we hide it within ourselves? We have the hope of eternity. We dare not sit back and do nothing. The Apostle Paul says we are under obligation. We have the words of eternal life. I trust that as we think of the privilege of serving the king, that we don't stop and think, well, maybe somebody else can do it, or uh, I'll do it, but I, I, I really don't want to do it. Uh, you, you know, we make excuses and so forth. Just think, you have the privilege of serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are under obligation to share that message to as many people as possible. And that leads us to the the power of faith in verses 16 and 17. What is faith doing in us? What is it what has it done for us? It first of all he said it has brought us salvation. The gospel message is a powerful message. We do not need to be ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. Someone has likened it to playing with dynamite now. Now, I've never used dynamite. I, I have a friend down in uh, cul-de-sac. He had his license in handling and working with dynamite for quite a while. He doesn't do it anymore, but uh, still has some. And I don't know how good it is. It's been sitting for years in, in a shed there. But uh, I'm not about to go out and try it out. <laughs> he can do that if he wants, but don't ask me to do that. But when we are handling the gospel message, we are literally playing with dynamite. We don't need to be ashamed of it. We need to let it loose and let it do what God wants it to do in hearts and lives. And I'll come back to that in in just a minute there. But it also brings righteousness into our lives. It is faith in the gospel that transforms our hearts and our lives. He has made him, 2 Corinthians 5 says, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. In Ephesians chapter 2, Verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And he goes on to say there, not only are we saved by faith, but in verse 10, we then work by faith. We, we put that faith into action as we work through our, our lives. The gospel, the power of the gospel is unleashed in our hearts and lives, and it's transforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. There is no need for us to make excuses about our past. It's gone. There's no need to be ashamed of what we have or haven't done. We've been changed and transformed by the power of the gospel. We are new creatures in Jesus Christ. We are called 
to be living examples to someone else, to others, to take the gospel message to, to those who desperately need to know it. You never know this side of glory, who God is touching through your life. You never will know fully this side of glory when you lit a stick of dynamite. I think of a handicapped boy. He was about one year or two years younger than I was. We, I was in grade three. He was in grade one or two. I'm not sure which. Invited me to a good news club in his home. He lit a, a, a stick of dynamite that day. It took four years for it to go off, but... Uh, uh, that wasn't his fault, that was mine. But, but he started a process there that, that brought me to Jesus Christ. Uh, I told you the, the story of Robert and Mary uh, Moffat as they served in Africa there. The story actually begins back in Scotland. That's where the Moffats were from. In Scotland, there was a pastor of a small rural church that was being forced out by his elders. They claimed that they saw no fruit from his ministry. The village in which he served had been a difficult place. People's hearts were cold and hostile to the truth. During the time he had served there, there had been no conversions and no baptisms. But he recalled one positive response to his preaching. One day when the offering plate was passed, a little boy put the plate on the floor and stood in it. And uh, people thought the little boy was... Uh, was crazy, but uh, when they asked him to explain what he was doing, he replied that he had been deeply touched by the minister's life, and while he had no money to give, he wanted to give himself wholly to God. That little boy was Robert Moffat, who later became a missionary to South Africa. God, or someone lit a stick of dynamite in his life. As I think about that, I think of the many opportunities we have to light a stick of dynamite in Chihuahua. We have Awana, we have Junior Church, we have a girls group going, we have all kinds of programs going. And one of the problems with that is we might light a stick of dynamite and never know when it goes off. I, I don't know if Charlie ever knew where I wound up. He was the one that brought me to a Bible club where I first heard the gospel message. I don't know what has ever happened to Charlie. We've lost all contact with him. But he lit a a fuse that started that day. You may serve. You may not see the results that you would want to see today. You never know when that dynamite's going to go off and God's going to change a heart and a life. I think a little Robert Moffat standing there in the offering plate having a deep desire to serve the Lord. God started something in his heart that day that years later bore fruit in another part of the world today. Are you allowing today the gospel to change your heart and life? And then are you allowing God to work through your heart and life to light a fuse in somebody else's life? We don't need to apologize for the gospel message. We need to let it loose. We need to be the men and women that God wants us to be sharing that gospel, seeking to encourage, to reach out, and praise the Lord when we see those results that we like to see. But praise the Lord when we don't. Keep praying for that family member. Keep praying for those individuals that maybe seem to be resistant to the gospel. You never know when the time comes when that fuse 
will hit the dynamite and God will change that heart and life. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Let it loose. Be about the master's business and leave the results in his hands. He's able to bring that explosion when the time comes. Turn it over to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power of the gospel. Father, we're amazed at times when we think of the gospel message that somehow you reached down and touched our lives, brought us to a saving awareness of Jesus Christ, made us part of your family. And now you say to us, I want you to go out. Take the gifts I've given you and encourage somebody else. Maybe light a fuse that will bring results for eternity. Give us the courage, like the Apostle Paul, to realize we're debtors. We're under obligation. We have the message of eternal life. We need to take it out to those that desperately need to see it. Give us the courage to do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing next, uh, Near to the Heart of God.
We've read 